0: Hey everyone, I'm Sam Wright and you're listening to Metal Gear Mondays, the first edition. Uh, You're going to hear some stuff in these episodes about links that aren't right for Patreon and other things. You can ignore those and in your head replace them with Patreon.com slash Metal Gear Mondays and Facebook.com slash Metal Gear Mondays or Twitter at Metal Gear Monday. Thanks, Character Limits. Okay, bye.
1: This week on Metal Gear Mondays, we got to catch them all. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Metal Gear Mondays, the podcast show where we tackle the Metal Gear Solid franchise from start to finish, top to bottom, left to right, in roughly chronological order, uh, book club style fashion. As always, I am your host, Alessio Summerfield, and this week, Sam and Isaac decided to elope, and I am alone with a very special guest, Nick Freida. Hi. Nick, can you introduce yourself?
0: Yes, uh, I'm Nick Freda. Um big time long-time fan of the Metal Gear Mondays podcast, uh, and I am honored to be here today.
1: Awesome, and I'm super happy to have you. So for those of you who might have started listening kind of recently or maybe you skip over the side ops uh as sometimes i am prone to do with the extrasodes on duck feed um you might not uh know that uh nick has been a long time right uh write-in fan for the show um and also a huge frequent contributor on our slack (laughs) channel for uh super interesting conversation topics so we're super happy to have nick um i'm happy that uh nick was able to join us on such short notice um this week, Nick and myself have spent a considerable amount of time playing Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops mm-hmm. for the PlayStation Portable. Um, the game was released in 2006, kind of roughly, and... Um, between different regions um it takes place in the year 1970 um it was not written nor directed by hideo kojima though he does have a producing credit in the game um and it was developed by kojima productions and uh distributed published by konami um this game uh is very interesting because uh at some points in the metal gear series uh history it has been considered canon And then at other points, it seems like Konami doesn't really care to include it in their canon timelines. So uh, a little bit of an interesting game. Uh, Definitely makes a ton of references to Metal Gear Solid 3 um, and is referenced very briefly in Peace Walker, um, which takes place right after this chronologically. Um, and is also referenced in Metal Gear Solid 4, um, kind of showcased, uh, little snippets of information from Portable Ops appear in 4, um, and likewise, uh, Portable Ops Plus, which we will talk about later, um, does feature some characters from Metal Gear Solid 4, um, as well as the rest of the series, um, Nick has an extremely interesting note here, uh, that says that the music is a groovy MGS three esque series remix. Um so it's it's good music. Was there were there any standout tracks, Nick? Uh
0: well there's definitely uh there's we'll get to it later. There's a f- sort of five minute time time is of the essence. Uh you gotta make it through this one bass. Um and so that that that's it. I don't know what the name of that track is. And I'm sorry, LSU. I've already. No, you're fine. Up. I'll find um, it.
1: I'll find it and I will fucking cue it here.
0: Okay. And so, yeah, it's very groovy, a groovy esque soundtrack. Um, it, if you have heard any of the jungle soundtracks in Metal Gear Solid 3, it's very similar to those. It's the same composer, uh, that did Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3. Just the general tracks, not, not Harry Gregson Williams, but, um, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. It's N- Naribo Harino. I probably butchered that.
1: Oh, but. yeah. No, for sure. But yeah, he's kind of like the house, like the house composer mm-hmm. for Metal Gear, it seems like.
0: Yeah, and composed the original Metal Gear Solid theme. So he's, he's definitely done his time uh, and helped contribute to this chapter as well.
1: Nice. Um, critically, uh, Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops uh, did fairly well. Um, it has an 86.95% on game, game rankings um, and had nines, 9 out of 10s and 4 out of 5s pretty much across the board. Um, it has an 87 on Metacritic, and it seems like most of the positives were kind of aimed at the fact that upon release, this was kind of part of the list of like the, the reasons to own a PSP. Um, uh, the few kind of negative remarks that the game got from critics were that it was a good game, but it wasn't a great Metal Gear game, um, which honestly kind of uh, is a perfect springboard for us to talk about the game in general. Um, So the game is the first portable game to effectively be a like standard Metal Gear Solid, like MGS one, MGS two, MGS three style game. Um, It's third person takes place behind the character. Uh, The camera is way more closely akin to the MGS three subsistence camera. So it's a little bit more kind of like uncharted, like behind the character as opposed to above. Um, Control scheme, um, I'm going to go ahead and say, so um, oh, and this we can talk briefly about this, kind of how we got a chance to play the game, because mine's kind of an interesting story. But the control scheme on the on the PSP essentially is that the D-pad control, like up, down, left, right on the D-pad control, sort of item hot swapping. Um, and then the face buttons are kind of standard Metal Gear face buttons, uh, as well as the shoulders Um, But you control the character with a little analog nub. So there isn't really like a separate camera for or uh, separate, sorry, separate controls for the camera. Um, It's kind of rudimentary. Like you have to kind of recenter the camera. Um, I believe from my recollections, Nick, do you have uh, anything to add to that?
0: Well, my experience might have been a little bit different since I played it on the Vita. Uh, They released Mm -hmm. it in June for that, and uh, you can sort of map the controls a little bit differently. And I had the right nub uh, being my camera control, so I could also use that to kind of uh, adjust. uh, But I did find myself frequently just tapping the L button to sort of center my view behind Snake.
1: Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, typical sort of like hold the right trigger to go into first person mode kind of, uh, plays very akin to MGS3, um, kind of downscaled for the PSP. Um, so pretending to what Nick said, I wanted to talk a little bit about how we came to the game. So effectively around the time the game came out, I had a PSP and I got the game and I played it a ton. Um, but then surely thereafter, I don't know whatever happened to my copy or, Honestly, what even happened to my PSP because I haven't had one for a while, Um, but I recently procured one for the show to play the Acid games earlier um, because I love them and there's no way to get them digitally uh, legally um, on anything other than a PSP. Um, And so I procured the PSP for Acid 1 and 2. However, um, I've had Portable Ops on my Vita for a little over a year now. Um, Kind of a weird situation. So for a while, the only way to play Portable Ops on the Vita was to live in the European Union for (laughs) some reason. Um, So I went on the PlayStation Store on a web browser about a year ago. I was out of town. And for some reason, I got an itch. I was like... I want to see if they have a digital copy of Portable Ops. And so I saw on the website that they did, and it said PSP game. And in my mind, I was like, oh, this will definitely work on my Vita. So when I get home and get my Vita, I'll just download it there, but I'm going to go ahead and buy it now. So I bought it on either the website or like the mobile app for PSN. And I was like, cool, everything's gravy. Then I get home and I remember that I was searching through the vita psn store and there was no option to download it like i could see that it was in my purchase history but i couldn't download it and i was like i don't understand like what what the fuck um and so i kept checking back every so often and randomly one day i pulled it up first thing in the morning i was getting up and i was able to download it And I was like, huh. So I downloaded it. It played perfectly fine. Everything was great. Um, And then I went online and I saw that there was like a Destructoid article or something that was like, you can download portable ops right now. Like, get on it. And then as (laughs) soon as like 10 hours went by, suddenly it was unavailable to download again for the U.S.
0: Did you get it in that window, though?
1: Yeah, I got it in that window. So I've had it on my Vita like ever since. And so I've been like poking around with it here and there on my Vita ever since then. And so, and that's kind of how I played it for the show now. Um, But it was just so weird to me. And I believe it was due to something to do with the music copyright licensing for Hmm. the US or something weird that, that they wouldn't allow for it to be downloaded again. I don't know. It was such a strange, it it reminded me a lot of like the Mega Man Legends situation where Capcom was like, we can't re-release it because of some of the sound or something stupid. Yeah, so
0: it's a really bitter pill to take to, to have like purchased all of these games and not actually be able to play them uh, in mm-hmm. what seems like the just a setup that makes sense so
1: no absolutely so but that's that was kind of how I got to play the game uh, initially I played it on the PSP but like I said it feels like uh, a dream and then <laughs> I played it again on the Vita um, Nick how did you how did you get to play the game i mean did did you get it at launch were you anticipating it before it came out like how did how was what was your story
0: i definitely got it at launch uh and i was hardcore anticipating it um i had bought the psp for metal gear acid uh and i really enjoyed those games but you know i was hoping to get that that handheld experience that uh was more of a parallel to you know the mainstream games of one two and three like you said um so i picked it up i played it uh you know, beat the heck out of it, waited, you know, spent too much time building my armies and doing all of those, uh, you know, that second system, that background system setup that they've got going on in it. So I ended up, uh, you know, just playing, putting quite a bit of hours into it, but eventually uh, just put it down and honestly haven't returned to it in the better part of a decade uh, for the show and was pretty excited to come back to it. So
1: nice. Well, and so, Nick, you kind of alluded to it. So before we get into kind of where the game fits in story-wise, I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of generalities about the game. Um, And we already kind of have as far as like the way it controls and the way that you kind of view the game. But essentially, the game is broken up kind of like acid into these mission hubs right so there's like these locations that you pick from like an overworld map as opposed to MGS3 or Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 where you're just kind of going from place to place to place within the game Um, so there's kind of this overworld thing and what's happening is that This is kind of like, so if you've played Peace Walker or Metal Gear Solid 5, um, this is kind of where the base building stuff started Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways. Um, So super fertile ground for some interesting ideas. Um, In essence, uh, you are Big Boss, um, though he, uh, I believe, is still refusing to go by that codename. So he's still going by Snake. Um, But you are essentially... uh, And this is why we have a little bit of like a Pokemon uh, comparison. You're essentially catching them all and going around and collecting every single guard or unique enemy that you come across or whatever. Um, And you're enlisting them in your forces and you can split them up between different sort of sectors within your base to have them focus on specific things, be it sort of research roles or reconnaissance or whatever. Um, and effectively each person that you kind of kidnap, um, you, uh, they go through like a little bit of an interrogation phase before they're like ready to go. Um, and once you assign them and stuff like that, they have stats that go towards kind of increasing their, Uh, best chances to give you better results in different departments. Um, So it's really fun. Um, It works really well in a mobile environment, which is why I think Peace Walker works so well for short play bursts. Um, So this game kind of has story missions, but you can also kind of grind areas to collect soldiers and items and stuff like that. Unfortunately, if you're familiar with Peace Walker or Metal Gear Solid V, uh, you really are familiar with the Fulton <laughs> recovery system, which allows you to kind of scoop people up straight from the battlefield. Um, this game is fucking tedious. It's Because awful. you can't do that. So essentially you have to either hold people up at gunpoint and get them to kind of surrender themselves and then you drag them the whole way they're squirming and you're trying to get them to to stay sort of cooperative Um, or you just put people to sleep. But either way, every single time you do that, you have to drag them back to a truck on the map or whatever. Uh, I think some maps have like a unique drop off point, Um, but you have to drop them off at this truck and effectively walk them back. And we all know how slow snake walks when he's carrying a body. Um, so you just pretty much drag them back to this truck every single time you want to collect them. Um, and so, yeah.
0: And there's one there's one workaround for that where you can. Um, so you play with multiple teammates in this, uh, and I don't know that we've covered that topic yet. But you get four. You can have up to four guys with you out on the field, uh, and they'll hide in cardboard boxes somewhere uh, until the other until it's their turn to take control. Uh, and if you drag uh, these these bodies to the to the cardboard box, you can actually codec call and they will take the body back for you. So you don't have to go through that hassle of dragging it. But even when you're doing that, it's still a hassle because you have to get a second player to kind of come to your location uh, and be ready, you know, cardboard box open and waiting for the body to, to deliver it back. Uh, you've... There's also one other way to recruit soldiers, and this is very Pokemon Go. This is Pokemon Go before Pokemon Go existed, (laughs) uh, because you can take your PSP and use an access point setting or a GPS setting uh, and walk around until the signal gets stronger and stronger. Uh, And as soon as it's strong enough, you can essentially uh, recruit a soldier. But um, I don't know how often people use this, because I certainly didn't see people with PSP's walking around like I see people walking around with iPhones and Androids these days seeking out Pokemon. So,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was interesting. And um essentially uh, the reason why a lot of these systems kind of are built the way that they are built, so and kind of like Nick just alluded to, you can kind of play as your supporting characters and stuff like that as well, um which then adds a plethora of NPCs that you can be, mm-hmm. which is fun. Um, but kind of where it got it started, sort of in development, the game uh, was originally developed to be multiplayer only. Um, And what's interesting is that midway through development, they shifted gears to all of a sudden have this story integrated. So initially, and there is like a full-blown, robust, like, um, unfortunately we're not gonna be able to talk like ad length about it because I'm pretty sure there's no way to play anymore. Um, But there's like a robust multiplayer mode for this game. Um, And likewise, Metal Gear Solid, Portable Ops Plus, which we're going to talk about towards the end of the episode, um, is strictly, I mean, other than some challenge stuff, is strictly multiplayer and it adds a ton of content to that multiplayer. Um, so effectively, it's the multiplayer from the previous episode of this show um, from the Metal Gear Solid 3 subsistence release, um, but kind of packaged on a handheld device, which in theory is a really cool idea. Um, but the thing is, is that I'm trying to remember if it was server based or not. I believe that it wasn't. So I think you kind of had to kind of be in, uh, a heavily populated area in order to kind of take advantage of the best, uh, aspects of that. Um, so I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting experiment in, uh, Metal Gear. And that's the one thing I do kind of dig about Metal Gear Solid is that outside of the kind of mainline episodes of the, of the, of the franchise, um, this is a series that likes to be really risky and do silly things just to see if it'll work. Um, so this is kind of like an experiment game. Um, and I like it a lot. Um, on paper, I think as far as like actual gameplay, uh, Peace Walker is like a hundred thousand times
0: better <laughs> than this game. But. <laughs> but but all of its DNA is right here. You can see it. For um, sure. So that's impressive. And I wonder how. I'd love to hear how involved Kojima was, or whether Kojima just recognized all of the good ideas that were in this game and were like, uh, I'm gonna make that mine.
1: Yeah, we're gonna take all of them. <laughs> Um, But yeah, so um, I will say, kind of touching back on the whole kind of canon aspect of it, um, Kojima himself has, and I put joke in massive air quotes, has joked that um, Mm -hmm. only games that he's written or directed are technically canon for Solid Snake and Big Boss's story. Um, So I think that that may or may not be the reason why this game kind of falls under fire from time to time as to whether or not it is canon. Um, and likewise, too, I think, so Metal Gear Solid 4 has, like, a database that you can install to your PS3 that has, like, essentially, like, an encyclopedia of Metal Gear. Um, and I believe that there's nothing in that pertaining to Portable Ops. So I think that that has been kind of the staple that most fans point to. They say, like, oh, this is supposed to be the definitive encyclopedia for Metal Gear. Why? And this came out after Portable Ops, so why is Portable Ops not present? Um, so, yeah, it's just... There's some weird stuff, but let's talk about the story. Um, So just kind of in a brief nutshell, um, kind of like how um, Ghost Babel was uh, kind of codenamed its own, like the story had its own kind of mission. Um, And then uh, Shadow Moses is obviously like, the operation where they're trying to go and get Rex, and like every game kind of has like the tanker mission or whatever, or virtuous mission. Um, this is the San Her- I can't even pronounce it. The <laughs> Sam Hieronimo, Hieronimo Ger- takeover, I believe is the way to pronounce that.
0: that that's how I do um, it. Like Geronimo, but Hieronimo, <laughs> that's, that's the only there
1: way I can do it. Nice. Um, but essentially, uh, like we said before, it takes place in 1970, which is shortly after, i trying to think. The second half of MGS3 takes place in sixty sixty four, 64, I think. 64. So this is like six years later. Um, so Snake is subverting yet another Metal Gear plot. Um, he is bearing witness. Essentially, we get to see the Fox unit cease to exist in this game. Um, and we see the early beginnings of a post-philosophers organization um, that 100% is addressed by name in this game as The Patriots. Mm -hmm. Um, and the stage is set for Big Boss's Outer Heaven to kind of finally be kind of in his head. Um, We see kind of the groundwork for what Outer Heaven might become uh, from another character, and then Big Boss kind of inherits, kind of like he did with the Cobra unit. I've noticed in all of Big Boss's stories, he kind of inherits uh, the modus operandi from his enemies kind of as he continues um and uh likewise too along the way we're going to meet some familiar faces um they honestly there's a lot of familiar faces from future entries in the series that we see here kind of for the first time um and we're also going to see how some characters are going to develop into who they'll eventually be in later entries in the series so um but that all being said it opens with an extremely familiar face um who we might not know from the uh beginning who this guy is um uh, but essentially the first kind of dude that we see that isn't Snake in the very beginning of the game is a young Roy Campbell. Um <laughs> what did you think about that Nick?
0: Uh I thought it was pretty funny. He's he's got like this long blonde hair. He looks like an 80s action hero. He's got this open camo vest and he's just ripped. Yeah. And he's just like yeah. this other POW in the cell next to Snake. Um and his—I don't know if you caught onto this, but it felt like his voice, like the voice actor's uh, portrayal of of old Campbell, was changing like throughout the game. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he just wasn't the best voice actor, or they didn't have like the budget for it. But yeah, it's—it yeah. was pretty funny.
1: It's interesting who gets a voice and who doesn't Absolutely. in this game, I've noticed. Yeah, it's really because, just um,
0: the main people in this game. But, like, you meet some old familiar faces, and they are not voiced. It's really just Campbell and Snake is f- for the people. And I guess Ocelot is voiced, too. Sorry for those mm. uh, who are... Yeah,
1: spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, good old, good old finger guns Ocelot comes back. <laughs> um but, yeah, so, I mean, we kind, of, we kind of started in this jail cell kind of after establishing the fact that Snake is being sent to, I believe it's, uh, is it Latin America? Or it's it uh, it's,
0: it's Colombia. Oh, okay, so cool. So, yeah, yeah, South America.
1: So, so, Snake is getting sent to South America because effectively what's going on is that, and hopefully I'm getting this right. So, this game's kind of twisty. So, mm-hmm. what ended up happening is the Fox unit went rogue in the middle of a mission and they were infiltrating a russian like experimental kind of whatever like some russian sleeper cell base that no one's supposed to know about and so the fox unit went there they went a wall they enlisted the russian troops that were stationed here that had been kind of forgotten by their own country um and they essentially are taking over and carving out their own little section of colombia to uh utilize uh american technology to essentially start holding people ran- uh for hostage and declaring ransom so um i actually read a funny comment while i was prepping for this episode um and i believe it was like on imdb trivia or something but somebody was like uh it said something like script swap and it said if you replace the names of the antagonist protagonist and supporting cast this is literally just metal gear solid one script
0: <laughs> really
1: um yeah, and I don't know how much I believe that, but I hmm. think to some extent it is very similar. Yeah. Um, but in this kind of, uh, I mean, technically every game is similar to MGS1 oh, in sure. this series. But, um, but Snake gets captured uh, pretty, pretty immediately. Um, yeah. He shows up to fix shit, um, and this is kind of him being, sent, I believe this is the first mission he's been sent out on since Snake Eater um and he uh is going out there and he gets captured and so um which is to his cell or oh go ahead sorry
0: which is a real subversion of kind of the trope that we see in every game where snake is captured but in this game from the get-go you're you're breaking out of a cell which is kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. subversion
1: yeah it's cool um So Snake essentially is busted, and across, I believe it's across the hall from his cell so that they can see each other face-to-face is good old Roy. Um, And so, um, Nick, you have some funny funny notes here. Um, So O is select and X is cancel. That Uh, pissed me off on the acid episodes as well. Uh, Yeah.
0: And it's even worse on the Vita because you have to hit uh, circle to select everything in the game. But when you have to enter in your character's name or, you know, put in any uh, text into sort of the keyboard function it changes to x so I kept like going it'd take me into the keyboard I'd hit circle Ugh. to select a letter and it'd back me out and then I'd finish everything that I was typing hit hits hit x get through it be and then it would tell me to confirm what I had put in and I'd hit x again because <laughs> I was still in the habit and have to redo it again and it's just oh
1: that, that sounds miserable it, I uh, bad. I I did not remember that, so uh, yeah, good on you for putting that. Well, and it's also funny. So Nick, I you have quit. here. That I almost then, quit.
0: I was th- like, I'm not going to do this <laughs> anymore. <laughs> they won't even let me put oh, in I my am- name.
1: I imagined, uh, I imagined you. You were like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. No, no, no. I should do this. And then, as you hit the button, it quits for you, and you're like,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. "Fuck." <laughs> well, here's the thing, too, is the first time I entered my name, I put in snake. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, it won't even let you do that. So even from the get-go, when I finally got it to work, it told me, oh, you can't do that name. And uh, I had to do it again. So
1: That's rough. Um, so kind of like we talked about with the digital graphic novels, and kind of like we've been alluding to with Peace Walker. So um, Ashley Wood um, did animated cutscenes for this whole game. Um, and I believe this is the f- – let me think. Because I think the digital graphic novels came – after Portable
0: Ops, yes, I release? believe so.
1: so I think this is the first time Ashley Wood has contributed to a game for Metal Gear. Um, mm-hmm. But they're great; I, I love them. Did Me you too. Did you enjoy them?
0: Oh yeah, it's. I mean, you might as well be reading like like you said. It's like reading a graphic novel. They they really play with the the animation panels and do a lot of creative uh, way. They do. They have a lot of creative ways of showcasing the narrative.
1: So nice. Um and likewise too, this is exciting, and I wish Sam was here for this. So we're introduced <laughs> to uh is this guy Le- number four? Lieutenant Cunningham. Black, I think it's five. Black person number four five, yeah, sure. Yeah. So ever like the the only black representation in Metal Gear, uh fifth person here. So we can still fit them all in one room. Um and uh and yeah, he's fox. Uh, he's fo- uh, is he Fox Hound or Fox's interrogation officer?
0: Uh, I, I don't know if they're think. the one and the same. Um, people might question yeah. our credibility as Metal Gear hosts for not knowing.
1: I know, right? So he, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot from the hip. I believe that the Fox unit is the unit that you're fighting in the game. And I believe at the mm-hmm. end of the game, Fox Hound is established, I think. think that's right
0: i'm just gonna say sure and then (laughs) don't yeah don't judge us too harshly everyone uh if we're wrong yeah if
1: you have uh if you have a like a thesis paper (laughs) on this subject theory just send it to my email address after you hear this Um, i promise i'll read it too (laughs) but lieutenant cunningham is uh i mean he's kind of throughout the game for a while he's kind of like the kind of like head kind of asshole um, and so he is interrogating snake, uh, as Nick, so politely says in his notes, he stomps on snakes junk. Um, and he kind of establishes that what's going on here is that, um, they are seeking the remaining half of the philosopher's legacy, which, uh, due to, um, I believe Ocelot's phone call. Um, we are led to believe that, uh, I believe Ocelot knows where the second half of the legacy is i think I so know.
0: yeah the like original yeah. half that ava got but they th- they're still looking for the other half and cunningham um seems to think that snake knows where it's at or has it himself
1: mm-hmm. um and so yeah essentially that's kind of what, what goes on um he kind of leaves us there uh so that as the players we can escape but uh (laughs) also i like to imagine like uh cunningham's leaving the interrogation room and snake's like where are you going and he's just like i've got to give you time to escape snake uh it's just i I have to play my role like it's part of the script yeah yeah uh, almost like a oh go ahead
0: i was gonna say a cunningham's a he he's a pretty great character too he's like this huge beefcake and he's got this american Mm -hmm. flag like tied around his head like a bandana it's he's just uh he's a pretty entertaining character so
1: he's great he reminds me of like generic space marine you know what i mean yeah just yeah
0: just like or, a, or like the fifth gears of war uh yeah. guy <laughs> or something Dom's like dad that. yeah yeah <laughs>
1: But uh, but yeah. So then we're introduced, like we said, to Roy Campbell, which is pretty nice. Um, essentially he gives us our tutorial. Um, he tells us that we're in Colombia on a Russian base. Um, and essentially Snake is tasked. We finally get out, and Snake is tasked with kind of going to a com center. Um, and I believe does Roy stay locked up until we go to the comm center and come mm, back?
0: I don't remember. I but I think they, I think they just get him out. I think they-
1: yeah yeah yeah. so i think they escape together um but snake is going to a comm center to try and establish contact with his unit again let them know he's still alive um and roy and snake are kind of in this together and uh and so roy is our first recruit um and roy is going to effectively be our um uh mac miller character if you've played peace walker or five or our
0: roy campbell if you played metal gear solid 1, Roy Campbell will be our Roy Campbell in this game.
1: Um, but uh so essentially uh we, the comm center is kind of our first proper mission. Um we get to this sort of exterior and I I found it extremely easy, Nick. I don't know if uh how stupid easy uh it dawned on you, but for me I like literally walked where I needed to walk from the start zone.
0: It's it's really easy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's good. I feel like I feel like if, if Isaac were here, it would have been followed up with. I well, died after I died a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so we get to the comm center, and this kind of begins the tragedy that is voice actors. We wanted to hear, but we're mm-hmm. not allowed to hear. Um. So we don't get to hear about. We don't hear paramedics' voice, but we get to read paramedics' voice. Um, and she's essentially telling snake that there's a weapon that's been stolen by fox slash Foxhound during this rebellion and uh, zero and snake were kind of blamed and i believe that zero is being told or so zero is being essentially being put on trial for treason Hmm. um, and being interrogated in the united states as being like a um what's the word traitor yes a traitor um, a benedict arnold if you will uh, <laughs> the less delicious and egg-based version of uh benedicts uh, eggs benedict and treachery but yes and treachery um less hollandaise sauce um but <laughs> so and then uh we talked to sigant he's calling from arpa and he's essentially uh trying to figure out um who's responsible um and, and so and they're even- all kind of Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry.
0: And and even though they're not voiced, you can't tell me that you're not hearing their voices in your head when you're reading oh, it. Oh,
1: no, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Um, I would have I preferred some more talk of, like, shit nightmares. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so and then this is kind of where they say, hey, guys, um, Snake, you're kind of out there on your own. You don't have anything. Uh, maybe you and Roy should start uh, recruiting people. And so this is kind of where we're tasked with kind of – our first sort of recruit and all these other things. Um, and I believe so the first recruit in the game is a fellow named Jonathan. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting that he kind of became a character within the story where a lot of the other recruits aren't. Um, and Jonathan kind of recurs. So he comes back. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, Jonathan will take a bullet for, oh. for Big Boss. He loves him so much. Um, you're so going to You're going to we- cry.
0: You're gonna cry so hard.
1: <laughs> so so right out the gate, uh, well, like one and one, snakes just real good at recruiting because he immediately recruits some guy <laughs> who hates him for a minute, and then is like, "No, dude, yeah. I'll take a bullet for you." Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I've, I so it's always interesting to me that like in the early Metal Gear games, it was way easier to believe like the legendary soldier big boss and people would be like oh man like just hearing about that guy totally turns people on his side yeah yeah. he's the most charismatic badass dude on the planet and if you like smell him sweat then like you'll build a pyramid for him like (laughs) and so it's weird to like hear that in the early games and then see it start to happen because I almost feel like it's kind of ridiculous, like when it does happen,
0: it's because it's a total 180 shift. You've just knocked this guy out, dragged him to like it's a throw him in the back of a truck, like <laughs> you know, even if you're like the greatest guy in the world, if you just knocked me out, I'm not going to be that quick to be like, "Oh yeah, cool. what let's go hang out.
1: Yeah, you shot me in the head with a tranquilizer <laughs> dart. You, we're best friends now um yeah it's weird i mean it even happens to i think to some extent like in five and in um peace walker there's just sort of this weird like you can even hear the soldiers bantering like i heard big boss was here and it's like i don't understand like what did this guy do to be so like revered that like it'd be like hey nick i heard michael jordan might be somewhere in the city of st louis i gotta stop recording immediately and i need to go find him Um, it's just so weird
0: so maybe if i was like you know a rookie basketball player and michael jordan knocked me out and dragged me to his truck (laughs) and i was like oh my god you're like the best of the best you're who i want to be i'd be like yeah we should totally hang out i I can totally forget that you shot me with a tranquilizer michael jordan (laughs) so
1: yeah i don't even need to know why um But yeah, so essentially we kind of get into the game proper. Um, Kind of first few missions, it starts out a little slow, just a lot of like, we need to figure out where things are. And the game will do this a lot. I feel like it kind of pads out a lot where it's like, let's waste an entire mission like doing some Intel stuff or like uh, going and checking on a location and then having to leave and come right back once we procure an item. Um, But again, it's a portable game. It's made to be played in small sessions. Um, So I think that... And they need to give you those opportunities to recruit people. So I understand that they can't just like beeline you to the end of the game. Um, But like we talked about, there's a world map with a list of locations and some really interesting um, illustrations of those locations. Um, There's also a day night cycle, which I thought was pretty rad. Um, And uh, effectively you can, uh, some of the missions will even be things like being tasked with finding documents and stuff like that. So kind of, that's what our kind of, missions moving forward are is like seeking intel start procuring soldiers yada 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 Um, essentially uh once we going back to jonathan once we recruit jonathan he sort of explains that the guy who's running this whole operation is a fellow named gene and we'll find out more about gene i think it's like the most ham-fisted character name in a metal gear (laughs) Totally, that'd be like if uh the boss was just called like patriotic submission or like something like,
0: you know what I mean? Yeah. My name's outer heaven. And,
1: uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that'd be like John halo showed up. You know what I mean? Like, but, uh, but so essentially Jonathan's explaining that these Russians, uh, felt abandoned by their country. And so they're following Gene and Fox, uh, to sort of start their own country and they want to launch a nuke at Russia if they don't give into their demands or so Jonathan thinks, Mm -hmm. um, As we kind of discover, Gene actually has his own plans, and he's actually wanting to essentially wipe out uh, the Pentagon and um, the CIA headquarters, of which there is no cool, neat name. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it kind of ends up that Gene is manipulating these Russians to kind of do what he needs to do. And in a fun twist, going back to what Nick and I were just talking about, Gene's entire existence is being able to exude... like. Charisma and confidence to the point where people will like do fucking anything for him. Yeah. Um, and he's been like genetically engineered to do this.
0: So he has like um, a loudspeaker larynx or like he's like his throat. <laughs> yeah. He can do like this thing where he can speak to the troops uh, and turn his voice into like an old, uh, like you see the old war propaganda films where like the the general is yelling at all the troops and he could do that but without the power of a microphone (laughs) so yeah he'd be a great lead singer for a band somewhere
1: (laughs) he's just like the worst x-men is essentially (laughs) his his power yeah um but yeah so i don't know it's crazy so we find out all these things um effectively i believe that so campbell showed up with the green berets and the entire situation is that the i believe the cia has sent snake in to fix all this shit so what ends up happening is we have this kind of political struggle where we've got these abandoned Russians who want to seek revenge against Russia for abandoning them for years with no communication um, in Colombia. And then we have, uh, and the whole thing has to be kept hush-hush because this, the fact that the Russians are this close to the United States uh, is a kind of a red flag and Russia could get into deep shit and it could cause a war. On the flip side, um, when Fox kind of went AWOL and, and showed up here, Suddenly the CIA is trying to clean it up because suddenly we have Americans in some Russian black site uh, trying to use experimental technology to shoot nukes at whoever. So essentially it's a huge mess, kind of going back to Metal Gear Solid 3, where both Russians and Americans are kind of in this shitty, like, oh no, nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um And likewise, this game will actually kind of spin some stuff that happened in MGS3 on its head a little bit. Um, I'm sure Cameron would be very amused if he (laughs) knew that all of the information from 3 was kind of going to get flipped. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, um, Nick, I feel like I've been talking for forever. Would you like to tell us about how Campbell decides to, well, he doesn't decide to, how Campbell gets <laughs> malaria?
0: So, yeah. So <laughs> since, since Campbell's been rotten away in his cell here for a little while, he gets malaria. Um, and this is sort of how the story gives you the reasoning for going and checking out the local areas. Um, cause you're going to have to seek out a, uh, essentially a vaccine or, um, you know, a cure for his malaria uh which is really just an opportunity for snake to go out and find some exposition uh in that <laughs> in that quest. So you find out uh that the drug is never where you want it to be. You you just keep following <laughs> it to different locations, to the hospital, to the research lab. And when you make it to the research lab, you you meet this girl named uh Eliza. And uh Eliza is a how is sort of this gifted telekinesis powered girl. Um, and she is overseeing a project called the null project, which is, uh, the ultimate soldier project. And she is, uh, when snake first meets her, uh, I thought it was kind of entertaining. Cause he says like the line, you're pretty young. And it's in, <laughs> it's in ha- It's in haters voice. And he says it with the exact same inflection as, you know, the, you're pretty, you're pretty good line. Um, oh, that's amazing. And, uh, she discusses her sister Ursula, um, who was rescued by Jean as well. Uh Jean is sort of the hero that saved them from their traumatic childhood growing up in uh nuclear Russia. And
1: uh <laughs> I wish that was like an actual country. There's Russia and then there's... north of Russia, there's nuclear Russia.
0: <laughs> it's a it's a bit of a sadder place. Uh it's kind <laughs> of like a Fallout Four setting. Um <laughs> But anyways, uh, so Eliza is telling you about how she's working on this Null project, which is uh, a soldier who has no emotions, no memories, uh, and he's trained to be the perfect soldier, which, of course, is uh, another sort of theme that we see throughout the Metal Gear series. Uh, The perfect soldier, the perfect leader, you know, the ultimate, ultimate. And she gives you the malaria drug and tells you that you need to head to the harbor because that's going to be where... Uh, the answer lies, but she doesn't tell you what 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 it is that you're seeking.
1: So. I almost feel like this, uh, like telekinetic young girl with like a weird past, um, who will eventually kind of resurface later as uh an interesting twist. Um, I feel like that was almost lifted straight from Acid One and Two, because I feel like Metal Gear Acid One and Two definitely had a lot of like telekinetic children for sure stuff going for sure. on. Um, so uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, and likewise, too, it's almost like her relationship to Gene is very similar to Null and Big Boss as mm-hmm. we kind of progress. So much like Gene is kind of like this guy who has this idea that will ultimately become Outer Heaven, um, I feel like we're seeing kind of like Eliza as like a prototype to uh, Null. In, in Big Boss's case, uh, throughout. So it's weird. It's almost like we're seeing the... Uh, it's almost like at the end of this game, Snake's going to go, that whole thing was actually kind of a pretty good idea. I bet I could do <laughs> it better. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. But um, but kind of like we talked about earlier, too, while all this shit's going on, you can do side quests and send people out uh, to do recon work and send you reports and stuff like that. And one of the things that kind of ends up happening is uh, this rail bridge mission. Um, Nick, would you like to talk a little bit about this interesting kind of mission split that happens with this bridge?
0: Sure. Yeah. So when you get to the bridge, it's, it's basically going to be a no go. It's too heavily fortified with soldiers. So you have to go to different locations and set up, uh, diversions and there's four available to you that you can do, but you only need to do three. Uh, and these consist of things like blowing up trucks, blowing up armories. Um, and they talk about how it weakens the the people in the area when you blow up the armories. Which is it, again, this all feels sort of like the blueprint for for Metal Gear Solid Five, which is kind of cool. Um, I didn't do a lot of the side quests in this playthrough, so I'm not sure how much you can actually affect like the sh- soldiers' strength and HP and all of that. Um, so it it'd be interesting to see how much this really was the the, the backdrop for all of that that we see later in mm-hmm. the series. Um, but once you blow up, uh, all of those different locations, um, the soldiers are pulled away from the rail bridge and you're able to cross and get to the harbor, uh, where you're going to meet up with a washed up Russian colonel. Uh, and I think you say his name Skolrowski, maybe it's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's
1: how I said so, it as well. So. Yeah.
0: So the Polish colonel, uh, is <laughs> arguing, with uh this bald man um who has these metal sticks kind of coming out of his head he, he it's almost like a play on like frankenstein it looks like he's gone through some he's been created in some way <laughs> so um yeah and snake recognizes him as python uh who is i believe part of the fox unit
1: um mm, i think they were yeah they were originally i believe that he knew if i remember correctly i think he knew python from before um the MGS3 stuff mm-hmm. is what it seems like
0: Yeah, he's kind of what didn't doesn't he talk about how he, it was kind of his job to do like the wet works and cleanup and that sort of thing for the missions. Yeah, um, for sure. It, like he'd
1: kind of come up behind Snake yeah. and kind of Fixed things.
0: it's very much a theme that again we're gonna see later in Metal Gear Solid Five too. It's like there's all these themes that just keep popping up throughout the series and are just retooled and repurposed for each story. Um and and kind of to that same effect, Python has uh freezing power, which is uh, you know, some guys have firepower and some guys have freezing power in the Metal Gear universe. And um
1: you can think of him as Frozone from The Incredibles. It uh, <laughs> makes it easier for folks at home.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's having this argument with Skorowski and he locks him in a cell. Um, he freezes the cell shut um, and then, you know, dips out of the area. But Snake comes in, and Skorowski he's pretty drunk, pretty wasted, sounds pretty crazy, is talking about how he wants a plane and wants to, you know, return to his former glory. And uh, Snake just sort of, uh, shoots open the lock and walks away, but it looks like one of those explosion, like those, uh, <laughs> in an action movie where the hero just explodes something and walks away without like looking back. <laughs> but the explosion in the background is Skolrowski. Who's just yelling and ranting in this cell. Yeah,
1: probably farting. <laughs>
0: probably. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah. So in the same, in the same area, snake finds a made in the USA crate, um, And he's starting to put together a little bit more of the pieces about what it is that he's going after. What is this weapon? Um, And he gets a call from Ghost, who is an old friend, but we won't find that out until later.
1: And so begins this old friend's fascination with codec aliases. <laughs> yes. Apparently,
0: yeah. I wasn't sure if like the codec frequency is the same as like the deep throat frequency. Oh, that's but, interesting. But uh, I didn't get to ch- check on that. But you, yeah, you don't you don't see who he is, but he tells you about a nuclear ballistic tank that can fire uh, something called a Merv, which is a multi-warhead uh, missile, uh, and can really tear up a continent. So. Yeah.
1: Who do we know that's metal and can walk and uh, can Mm -hmm. rip up shit with nukes?
0: Uh, It's just a box? No, (laughs) that's
1: all right. Colonel Vulgan? Metal Gear. I'm kidding. kidding. Um, But yeah, so uh, kind of like all things Metal Gear, we end up going to a nuclear storage facility. Mm -hmm. um, And we have to shut the nuke supply down. um, And so... Essentially, what ends up happening is this is all just pretense for us to get into our first boss fight, <laughs> um so we end up and i I'm trying to remember there aren't a whole lot of boss fights in this game
0: um, yeah there's I, like there's like four or five maybe there some of them are pretty yeah. small though
1: for sure um but yeah, I don't know it's um it's interesting so so Nick, would you like to set the scene for the fight a little bit
0: sure, yeah, so you um. You try to blow up this service elevator, which is used for transporting the nukes to Metal Gear, uh, but whenever you're dipping out, uh, you find out that the detonator didn't go off, and it's because Python, with his freezing powers, uh, has frozen the detonator, which is uh, kind of almost feels like a Metal Gear Solid 2 throwback, the whole freezing the bombs Um and python uh you you hear a little bit more about Python's history with snake and he tells his tormented soldier' story, which is totally the uh cliche of the series um how he has nightmares of the men that he's killed, but has to do what he what he does and has always been in the shadow uh and so uh he decides that he wants to fight you over it. maybe that'll help some of his <laughs> angst um and, as
1: as one is to do
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah um and the battlefield's kind of cool it's 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 pretty large you can run around quite a bit there's a lot of different corridors in this um in this nuclear storage facility uh and his he's basically fighting you in a very low visibility setting because there's this freezy mist that's kind of coating the whole area um did you have any trouble with this guy
1: I, I didn't, and that that's kind of like the running theme, I feel like, for most of these uh, boss fights, except for the, spoiler alert, Metal Gear fight. Um, I don't know. I just kind of found them to be kind of these, like, arena style. It, they reminded me a lot of, like, the Vulgan fight in the elevator shaft or whatever mm-hmm. um, towards the end of MGS3, where it just kind of felt like it was, like, memorize a pattern and then just kind of, like, run and gun was kind of the vibe that I had from pretty much every fight.
0: Very much, and it didn't really feel like the programming for like the AI was that intense. It's mm-hmm. he's pretty much just blindly going after you. Um it it could have it could have well have been uh just an aggressive soldier in the game as he just sort of chases you down. Um For sure.
1: It felt almost like a one-on-one duel going back to like the multiplayer mode that this game was kind of built around. It almost just kind of feels like a multiplayer map one V one.
0: Totally. Totally. Um, and he's got a few tricks up his sleeve, his frozen sleeves where he can, (laughs) uh, freeze your weapon. Um, and then you can try to find a radiator and heat your weapon back and use it again. But I never had to do that. I just ran around Mm. for about five to 10 seconds and it felt like it unfroze on its own. Um,
1: yeah, I didn't know about the radiator either.
0: Yeah, and uh, I did die because I had. This is the one thing that can be kind of frustrating with the game is there's no um, there's no indication that you're about to go into a boss fight. So if you're just using one of your like peon soldiers uh, that's in mm-hmm. your team of four, and you you approach this area, that's who you're going to have to fight with. Uh, and for me, it was poor Jonathan. And uh, oh no. <laughs> Jonathan uh went down for the count um he could be revived later but I fought the rest of the fight with Snake and the Mark 22 uh nice. but pretty easy
1: yeah one so as a uh, good guy snake will be known for by the end of the game uh he actually doesn't allow python to uh em- embrace the sweet sweet release of death <laughs> um and uh snake recruits him uh i like to think that snake just throws him in the back of the truck even though he's perfectly like (laughs) conscious um but he becomes a spy
0: yeah they Um, leave like with their arms around each other just like walking out of this like facility too it's so it's such an immediate 180 again it's it's kind of absurd
1: yeah it's bizarre it's almost like if you can imagine the cyborg ninja fight in mgs1 and if like snake punched the ninja hard enough that the ninja was like Oh fuck, man! You just like cleared up my head, real nice. Like, uh, what are we doing? I love you. Why are we here? Let's go, like, hang out. Like, what? Let's just get out of here, buddy. Like, that's kind of the vibe. Like, it's weird. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then Nick has uh, put in the notes. "Quote: Work has begun on an erotic magazine for these long, long nights in the field."
0: Yeah, like so. Your tech. Your this is the first point where my uh, tech crew uh, started making gadgets for me, and uh, it, yeah. It, it's discussing the, the erotic magazine. And if you use one of these it's at, and you put it down on the ground, it works just like any other Metal Gear game. It'll distract the soldiers. Uh, but the spread is actually of Ava from Metal Gear oh, Solid 3. Weird. Yeah. So uh,
1: I wonder if Snake was like, here, use these photos that I have as you develop your magazine.
0: <laughs> yeah, or whether but... he was pissed off about it when he sees yeah, his, his like, old girl. What the, girl.
1: What the, but... the hell? what the hell (laughs) um but there's also uh another funny one that nick has here is work has begun on the world-renowned all-purpose cardboard box yeah
0: Um, so these are
1: great i wonder if the translation like committee took liberties with these (laughs) and just like made them super goofy i hope Uh, so yeah but yeah so essentially we have um just a couple of um just a couple little like side stops before the uh, we fight Null, which is going to be fun. But essentially, we hit up uh, an airport, which again, there's an airport in MGS Five, uh, yeah. where we uh, essentially get a government official to spill the beans about Metal Gear. Um, we figure out that there's a warhead and a silo. We go to the silo and Null confronts us, and uh, and that's that's what happens. Um, Null is kind of a pushover for being such an ultimate soldier. <laughs> totally. However. Um, Nick, it looks like uh, you just took the old shotgun Sam Wright and Isaac Lim approach. I did,
0: uh, and I totally thought of them as I unloaded my shotgun three times into Null's belly. Uh, <laughs> it was it was so easy. You just you could just wait for him to come around a corner. The shotgun knocks him down. You wait for him to get up, shoot him again. Um, I mean, I probably beat this in under twenty seconds.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, I believe for me it was just machine gun central, um, so that was fun. But uh, that and just pistol stuff, so I'm trying to remember. So I usually just like punching the shit out of stuff. (laughs) I can't remember if I punched Null at all or if you even can because I feel like they kind of have to make him a little quick for who he is. Um, But just to kind of like lift the veil just so we're not necessarily doing uh, trying to pace this out in such a way that, that, that we're wasting time just kind of pushing off the inevitable so for everybody at home null is just effectively uh gray fox he is frank yeager mm-hmm. um and a f- it's interesting so uh we find out that his real name is not frank yeager and that he has no name um that he was just called the frank Jaeger, <laughs> which like the Ernest hunter the frank hunter um because like as a child uh he would uh ruthlessly fucking murder people um and so he got this sort of name uh while while being a child soldier and um effectively later on in the game he does remember snake because snake is the one who kind of took him in and took care of him uh going along with what we know of their situation uh from past metal gear games
0: and and we've and we've filled that square in our metal gear bingo child soldier uh child soldier rescued from the battlefield Yeah, genetic therapy. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Experimentation, (laughs) but yeah. So, and and for those of you, so if anybody at home played Metal Gear Solid Five or Peace Walker, and the whole time you were like, "Fuck, I need some Gray Fox." Like, if there is baby liquid and baby, (laughs) all of these people, like, where is my baby Gray Fox? I want to see a Muppet Um,
0: Babies cartoon with all of these (laughs) these characters,
1: Snake Babies. (laughs) Yes, it needs to happen. Um, but yeah. So, and then Snake gets captured again. Because, I don't know. so uh, But Campbell and the crew uh, bust Snake out. Um, Everything's good to go. And uh, essentially we have this long sort of exposition dump between Gene and Snake. And uh, what we had just essentially told you guys about the CIA and Fox and Metal Gear and defecting and Russia and blah, blah, blah. Like, this is kind of where it happens. Um, And so, um, essentially... Oh, go ahead. But you
0: yeah, do find out that uh, the CIA was actually planning on giving Metal Gear mm-hmm. to Russia because they mm-hmm. want to prolong the Cold War uh, and maintain their own importance, which is yeah. insane. I can't imagine some suit in you know Langley, Virginia, you know, deciding this was a good idea and putting the world at risk so that uh, he could keep his job a little bit longer.
1: Yeah, it's one. Well, it's kind of interesting too because I feel like. Metal Gear Solid 4 comments on that a lot. This like economy of war perpetually engineered. Um, and honestly, Peace Walker, with good old Hot Coldman, uh, his, whole, his whole shtick is also prolonging the Cold War. Um, because the longer that the Cold War goes on, the more that the world sees America as the good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways, I mean, I don't think anybody went to these extremes that I know of, but I do feel like it is kind of a staple of baby boomer usa generation um that world war ii and the cold war were like the most defined hooray america is gi joe kind of like Mm -hmm. eras of our history um so i don't think anybody went to these extremes but i knew i do personally know a lot of people who want to keep america that way in their heads so that we are always the captain america totally um, so this is which is super fucking interesting to see this from like a Japanese development mm-hmm. uh team um they kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit though it is a little outrageous um, but effectively we learned that gene is a part of a initiative to um to uh recreate the boss kind of model the boss um and so part of the successor project um, and so uh gene is effectively just like snake except. Where Gene was manufactured in a lab, uh Snake was actually homegrown and trained by Mama Boss.
0: He's organic. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a non GMO, yeah,
1: locally <laughs> sourced uh soldier. Um and ultimately <laughs> through the game we're gonna learn that uh non GMO locally sourced uh soldiers are better than uh better than the GMO versions. So mm-hmm. uh due to soldier genes, which uh bingo card from MGS one for sure the soldier genes
0: totally so
1: but yeah so we end up having to spend a whole bunch of time kind of circling around trying to figure out the location of a guest house um which reminded me a whole lot of metal gear solid 5 where you have to find the location of code talker a little bit um and so we discovered this guest house um null uh null i'm trying to remember so who the fuck is at the guest house that we're trying to find it's
0: actually snake so yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah he got captured uh just earlier after the null fight by Cunningham and crew, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, you are just one of the the regulars, the regular GI Joes, <laughs> and uh, you've got to go and find a uh, find Snake, and um,
1: that's right, yeah, because like all the little side things kind of lead here. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so effectively there's a cut scene where we get to see Null wrecking shop as he is known to do. Um, now that we know that he's Gray Fox, we don't yet in the game, but now that you, the listener know that he is Gray Fox, uh, he's essentially doing his hallway, his hallway murder, uh, in, <laughs> in real time for us. And it's interesting cause he has a machete in this game as opposed mm-hmm. to a katana, but he can still block bullets with that machete. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just a regular old machete. Um. But and yeah, so Null essentially is pissed that he was not able to kill uh, Big Boss. And also one thing we forgot to mention is that Null has never not killed his target. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of having a little bit of like a uh, conniption fit about uh, like a tantrum about like, <laughs> but I got to kill Big Boss. That's my mission. And G- yeah, and Gene's just like, shut the fuck up. But it is interesting because Null is supposed to have his emotions and memories wiped every single time he comes out of the... Uh, chamber that they store him in and so even gene kind of points out uh that's interesting that big boss has made such an impression on you that you can't forget about him even though your whole like mo is to forget about everything after each fight um so, um, and Nick notes here that apparently Gene has some cool blaster sound effects yeah, when he shoots Null.
0: when he shoots Null, because Null is flipping out and goes after him, and if you get a chance to watch this on YouTube or something, it's basically, it is the exact same Star Wars blaster sound effect. Uh, like, it might as well have been Han Solo blowing <laughs> Null away. So, yeah, it's...
1: I feel like there needs to be a video of that now.
0: We'll have to know. find it, so... <laughs>
1: But, but yeah, so kind of like how, uh, Eva, uh, talks to Snake in the, um, torture chamber in MGS3, we have a little bit of like Eliza lying to the guard so she can visit Snake, um, and she is telepathically speaking to Snake, um, which is kind of like a, uh, I guess like a Kodak prototype, (laughs) um, and, uh. She essentially tells Snake that they're going to launch a nuke either way, which then reveals itself that, like we had mentioned before, Gene isn't planning on nuking Russia. He wants to use the weapon against the United States um, so that uh, the whole world can go to shit and only the like cream of the crop can like rise to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she says she's seen a future where Snake stops the attack. Um, I believe she's split, though. She says that she doesn't know if she should trust Snake, but she feels that she must, but she, because, she, because she sees him stopping Metal Gear, but she also sees him as a figure that people will come to fear, mm-hmm. yeah. and she's not really sure why yet. And I believe that, we I mean, we find out later, obviously, but essentially she can tell that Big Boss is going to become... Big Boss. Big Boss. <laughs> the Big Boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so essentially, uh, and this is fucking bananas, and we can talk about this. Um, So the soldiers do save Snake, but then Cunningham shows up, and he's riding on one of those (laughs) stupid little rocket platforms. I I was surprised that it could carry him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: it's so great. This just beefcake like floating in, and uh, he. It's just kind of like a like a grim moment though, because he starts. demanding of course the philosopher's leg legacy like this this guy has a one-track mind that is all he wants and he he mm-hmm. flies in and just starts capping uh snake's soldiers like shooting them one at a time threatening you know hey i'm gonna kill everybody unless you tell me where this is uh mm-hmm. but thankfully uh eliza comes in to save the day day is of six. this
1: uh is this the moment where... Is it Cunningham that shoots Big Boss and then Jonathan jumps in front of it here? No, no. Okay. no we
0: get to hold on to Jonathan's sweet love a little <laughs> bit longer, but not much longer. So.
1: Oh, no. Um, but yeah, so we roll out and uh, Snake and Eliza do find the Metal Gear and uh, cue Gene here. And Gene shows up and he's like, oh, you found my Metal Gear. <laughs> um and, uh, going again, uh, there's a lot of fucking connections here. Metal Gear is kind of powered by psychic energy, um, much, uh, like Sahelanthropus in five, if you've played five. Yeah. Um, so we see that it's like, and that's kind of Kojima's, I feel like way of, uh, no, well, I guess Kojima wasn't involved in this, but it's Kojima Productions' is a way of, like, hand-waving super advanced technology existing way before it should. Because it's like, oh, it's powered by psychic children. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so we discovered that. And um, essentially the Metal Gear shoots everybody except for, uh, except for Snake Eliza and Gene. And we discovered that uh, there's a drunk Russian man piloting the Metal Gear as well so um and it's good old it's our good old pal that we released earlier so nick would you like to talk about uh good old good old uh polish russian man
0: yeah old Skaronsky. like he wakes up or like you see like metal gear kind of moving on its own but then you and everybody gets blown away and it's it's the guy who wanted to pilot the aircraft it's it's Skaranski. so i guess it paid off that you freed him from his cell earlier um but then uh, another twist happens. Uh, Jean triggers Eliza to turn into Ursula, and Eliza had been talking quite a bit about her sister Ursula up to this point, and that Ursula was the stronger of the telekinetic twins, but she was um, she had no emotions herself, and sort of a loose cannon a bit, um, mm-hmm. and. It's revealed that they are the same person, that Eliza suffers from dissociative identity disorder or split personality oh, no. to some. so That
1: happens. That happens at some points later, too. Man, look at that. I didn't even think about that.
0: Bingo. So, yeah, it's all over the place with some of these, uh, like, tropes. Uh, we
1: should case. yeah we should actually have like an official metal gear monday's like metal gear bingo card it'd be pretty I mean, great it'd be amazing <laughs> we'll have it we'll I'll do something in photoshop and we'll just have it somewhere so you guys can print it out and, <laughs> and play <laughs> check along it off.
0: yeah yeah uh and um yeah so Ursula starts controlling uh metal gear is pretty much toast at this point poor old dude he's kind of the Gronin of this mm-hmm. game the old drunk russian man He's gone. Who gets so,
1: beaten up? So
0: maybe old drunk Russian is one of like the less <laughs> important squares in the bingo card. Um,
1: well, technically, an old drunk Russian created Metal Gear X. E- so
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So you've got uh, Ursula controlling Metal Gear, and it's called Roxa, uh, Raxa, R A X A. And
1: it's not a Kingdom Hearts character. No. Uh,
0: and it's this pedaled. Uh, it's this pedaled winged. Metal Gear it sort of floats above the ground and slams down um up and down and tries to smash your character uh you have to blow up its legs first and then it will expose its inner body which uh is susceptible to RPG um did you have any trouble (laughs) with this guy
1: no not really I mean to me again it was just kind of like circle strafe RPG circle strafe RPG like kind of non-stop I can't remember um I didn't have any issues with um Ammo management, but are there little like ammo dumps in this area? Like, if you miss a lot, Uh, or are you just kind of screwed?
0: I remember seeing ammo dumps in the Null Battle, but i i I didn't run into any here, and i I I had plenty to work with. Uh, I did have a character die, but I had a second character with an RPG, so it wasn't it Mm -hmm. wasn't a problem.
1: Yeah, well, that's so. That's kind of the weird thing too, because like. Even later on, they're like, oh, RPGs don't work. And then the whole family shows up, and it's like, well, you got all of our help, Snake. Um, and then RPGs do work. So I feel like kind of the pro tip in this game is just if there's a Metal Gear, just use your RPG like crazy. For sure, for sure. And that's and, and, pretty much the only tactic.
0: And chafe grenades. That's another oh, like yeah, sure. trick of the trade in the series. Um, but when you blow it up, uh, Ghost calls out, and they do a lot of these like throwback lines. He says, mm. like, it's not a... Over yet, snake. It's not over yet, which is, you know, liquid snake to a T. Because he tells him that uh, Roxa is not the real Metal Gear. It was just a Mm -hmm. test, just a prototype. Uh, And this is where Ghost reveals himself as family favorite Sokolov, uh, who is apparently still alive and was rescued by Gene years ago. We, again, have Gene just going around and saving all of our of snake's old friends so. which
1: begs the question too though like so it feels like once a character is established as doing a, a task that character can only do that task so like sokolov <laughs> is introduced to us as a like deserter and now he's also deserting the man who like saved him years ago mm-hmm. um, so if, <laughs> if gene is such a great dude why is sokolov Helping us like defeat him, I guess. I don't know. It's yeah.
0: weird. Yeah. And did Sokolov not like learn anything from before? Like with yeah, like, he's doing the exact Microsoft same thing. And yeah. And the other thing is too is he says finally he changes his mind about Gene when Gene is threatening to like launch a nuke at Russia and he's like, well, okay, that's that's enough.
1: Like. Yeah. It doesn't. Well, which is weird too because Sokolov's whole family's in America, so it's like if he nukes either of them that sucks like what are you talking about it's a
0: nuclear apocalypse you don't want this
1: the words holocaust (laughs) are a part of the scenario you should probably not be into it Uh, but also the voice actor for sokolov is different
0: yeah yeah Uh, uh, unlike some of the other characters we've heard um he he has kind of a british sound to him at times like again Mm -hmm. i don't think the voice acting for the non-main characters is very strong in this game
1: no i agree but and then this is where poor Jonathan dies, which is sad. Yeah, cuz
0: um, Gene uses that that power voice uh and starts he <laughs>
1: uses his rock ballad. Yeah,
0: he starts singing a song of fear and suspicion uh deep into the hearts of all the soldiers um until they just sort of become paranoid freak out and are shooting each other, and they show like that that very cliche shot of like snake holding the soldier's body <laughs> and like looking up at the sky, <laughs> like Jesus. screaming no, and and then you get back to your uh, like your kind of world map menu, and it just says Jonathan has died, <laughs> <laughs>
1: so ceremoniously.
0: Just... Yeah, it's just a line of text. It's it's it felt more like Oregon Trail than uh, Metal Gear in that moment.
1: So. Mm-hmm. But well and then so it's kind of a race to metal gear now and mm-hmm. so we end up having to go to the st- substation. Um, you have to essentially uh find the switch and then destroy it. Um but your trigger only has like power for 5 minutes or whatever. So uh essentially you've got to do this mission. If you fuck it up, you have to redo it again, but you have to wait for your text to build another remote, which is rough. Uh steep. Um, and uh, once it explodes, you have five minutes to kind of enter. And uh, what ends up happening is uh, we enter a second fight with Null, which is almost identical to the first fight uh, as mm-hmm. far as tactics. Um, you can just shotgun blast him to the face again, or you can just kind of run and gun Fury style, if anybody's played Fury recently. Um, but essentially, we this is where we learn about Frank Yeager and the whole, like, tormented null situation what's interesting is that he says um that he was codenamed null um after uh mimicking the code name of essentially the one that created him uh mm-hmm. and what's interesting about that is that zero mm-hmm. and null mean the same thing mm. what could it mean I
0: well we'll <laughs> never know will we so no nope. <laughs> uh
1: but yeah, so um, and in essence too, I don't believe it's been spelled out yet in any game that Zero is kind of the antagonizing force moving forward.
0: Yeah, it's it gets real hazy. You can kind of check out cassette tapes and Five and Peace Walker, um, but you know that Zero's involved in some mm-hmm. form or fashion, um, and we'll probably touch on that or you, you yeah later on.
1: Well, I know Peace Walker almost establishes that by the end of the game 100% that, like, Zero is a big, bad, badass, asshole guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then before that, even, in 4, we're going to discover all kinds of things about good old Major Zero. Um, But this is kind of where we start to hear, like, wait a minute, what, what? Like, I don't understand. So you can kind of put two and two together. But sure. um, Nick, it seems like you've got a favorite line of dialogue from uh, our good boy, Frank.
0: It's kind of funny. Uh, it's the same thing again. You know, you've, you've blasted this guy just enough times in the head with a shotgun for him to regain his senses. And he's buddy-buddy with you again. And you walk out and he talks. He thanks Big Boss for filling the void in him. Uh, <laughs> so
1: thank you for using your snake to fill the hole in my in my in myself. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: but yucky. So,
0: I'm not sure so. where they go after that. Uh, I would imagine it'd be to consummate the, the, <laughs> the new marriage. Um, yeah, of the two. So, but a lot you... of
1: Frank babies and snakes.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and then you're off to the silo complex. Now that Null has been taken care of, in um, this area is it's sort of a puzzle uh map a little bit because there's all these locked doors that you have to use frequencies to unlock not unlike the prison cell in metal gear solid 3 uh but the frequencies are hidden in some of the rooms like they'll be written on the wall um which is just a really good security setup yeah absolutely in case i forget i'm gonna spray paint this uh (laughs) on the wall It
1: reminds me, it's like a combination of like, uh, nine persons, nine hours, nine doors, or like, well, like those room escape puzzles, but combined with like the team rocket layers (laughs) in the original, like Pokemon red and blue, where it's just like, I don't know, silly, like super stupid.
0: It's super silly. And you have to do this like three or four times. Um, so yeah, you're on this large freight elevator ride that looks like, uh, it looks like Metal Gear Solid one. Uh, And one of our old friends shows up. Uh, And who is it?
1: It's (laughs) it's a good old ground beef man. (laughs) Uh, It's our good friend Cunningham uh, who just, I don't know, he looks like somebody took Super Meat Boy and like shoved him into a – into a military outfit he he
0: also like reminds me of uh president kamchako in idiocracy or whatever that guy's oh, name yeah. is like oh,
1: isn't it command show command or show
0: yeah because he's because he's decked out in like the american flag like attire and he's you know got the the almost mr t-esque voice um yeah but he's back which
1: in and of itself is like mildly offensive
0: <laughs> totally totally so but yeah he tells you uh that he doesn't answer to the cia uh he works for the pentagon and they feel that the cia is too powerful he's not working for gene he's working for the department of defense Uh, he's
1: working for meme
0: he's working for yeah and uh he wants the nuke to hit uh he wants the nuke to hit Russia because the C- they will cause the CIA to lose face um, mm-hmm. and the Pentagon will regain its power with the military and that sort of thing. Um, so this is this dude's a bit of a crazy veteran, it seems. Um, and Cunningham wants to make sure it happens. Uh, and then he's going to blow up all of the evidence with uh, an old favorite weapon, the Davy Crockett, uh, which he's wielding. Is this when
1: we learn about the weird like is this when we learn about the weird like boss vulgan situation?
0: No, uh Gene is going to Gene's oh, going gotcha. to uh Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha lead gotcha. to that. Um Yeah, so uh and he tells uh he tells Snake that he needs to leave on the helicopter. They're going to be heroes within the American government's eyes, and this is kind of an interesting point because it really is a sort of one-eight, like Big Boss's first one-eighty from I guess the U.S. government's uh, vision for how things play out. Because mm-hmm. um, Snake, you see this flashback of the images of his buddies, his comrades, uh, and he he says that he has to fight out of loyalty to himself in this case
1: i really wish that it would have been just like ike's taunt from super smash bros brawl it would have just been like i fight for my friends (laughs) yeah yeah but but yes then we have this boss fight with good old cunningham cunning cunningham Mm -hmm. um and it's just he's still on his little floating like it reminds me of like Modoc or like uh the the obese gentleman from dune but, or, like, Dr. Robotnik or something. Mm-hmm. We're just, like, in this weird, like, fat man in a little puttin' around space chair, effectively. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, essentially just RPGs and machine guns, baby. Um, but uh, did you have difficulty with this fight?
0: No, no. He's he's pretty easy. You just keep, you know, keep moving around quite a bit, and you take him down pretty quickly. Um but then right before he explodes, he's kind of doing his like death throw. He, you know, every, no metal gear character villain dies without an opportunity to at least kind of speak a little bit of their mind. Um, oh
1: yeah. I feel like, uh, if the departed had metal gears, writing sensibilities, that movie would have been eight <laughs> hours long.
0: No, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, they would have they would have re-released the movie later on as Departed Subsistence. Oh no! And, uh, it would have
1: been Departed Persistence. What it would have been. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you've got, uh, you know, uh, so you've got Cunningham giving kind of his death row, talking about you know what it was supposed to be, but then he says he's going to take you down with him. Uh, but before he can blow up the, uh, before he can press the switch on his Davy Crockett, uh, the whole floating platform explodes. Uh, mm-hmm. Never to be seen again in the series, I think. <laughs> Was it in Peace Walker? Uh, I'm trying to think.
1: I don't think so. There were a lot of floating things, but I don't think there were any floating little chairs with the the little bulletproof shield or whatever.
0: I'd love to have one of those. It's like a
1: oh, they look wonderful. Like
0: a Segway of the future.
1: Yeah, it's like a flame powered <laughs> segue. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and then we're also in this very MGS one reminiscent launch control room and this is where gene kind of spills the beans about um i wish i could rhyme with gene beans (laughs) and something else but uh gene spills the beans about um the whole like he wants to actually nuke america Mm -hmm. um and the reason for it is a little bit more grandiose than what we had said originally but in essence it still boils down to what we were talking about he wants to free the world of the philosopher's control which is weird because i feel like we have all these men that are vying for a world that is not controlled by a bunch of, like, old dead board members mm-hmm. is kind of what's happening. Um, and they're swapping so,
0: it out for in control by one old board member. Yeah, exactly, Gene. and a bunch of
1: computer people. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't – it's it's interesting. It's almost like this I, – I feel, I feel like if Franz Kafka and Kojima knew each other, there might be more <laughs> in common because it seems like they both have the fear of this, like, bureaucracy that no one can find. Mm-hmm. It's like – The board members, they're trying to ruin everything. And it's like, Kojima, we we haven't seen anybody. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Um, But this is also where Gene decides to tell Snake that the whole Virtuous Mission and Vulcan's actions were all staged by America. So the boss actually was killed by her country and Mm -hmm. killed by the philosophers and all this other stuff,
0: which this is where I could maybe see Kojima being like, "Mm, this is non canon. I don't really feel comfortable like changing the legacy that is metal gear solid three.
1: For sure. It's almost like, um, those, uh, kind of group projects that you do where you're like, let's write a story and I'll tackle (laughs) a paragraph and you tackle a paragraph or like I'll do a sentence and you do a sentence. It's like, It's almost like uh, like I wrote an issue of a comic book, and then Nick wrote the next issue, and it completely re- rewrote all the shit in my issue. And then I'm like, my issue comes up, and I'm like, I'm going to rewrite all of Nick's bullshit as well. <laughs> uh, so, which isn't not how Marvel actually has been from time to time. So,
0: good assessment. Yep. Sad but. assessment.
1: Yeah, Yeah, definitely in like the late 90s. Maybe not so much these days, but there was a lot of writers rewriting other writers' content. But anyway, um, so uh, uh, effectively, uh, Gene pushes the button, but Ursula stops the panel. Um, Gene decides to like stab her very quickly um, because he's super fast. That's one thing we forgot to mention is that Gene... Not only is he charismatic, but he's super fast. He kind of has, like, MacGuffin superpowers where it's, like, whatever Gene has to have <laughs> the ability to do to push the story forward. Yeah. Um, but as Ursula's dying, she pretty much tells Snake, like, you, you are going to destroy Metal Gear, but you're also going to create one in its place. And then she tells him. And we get into this really, really, really interesting shit that I wish... I love it. This, this is what yeah. Five should have been.
0: Yeah. This, she,
1: this yeah, duality...
0: This, that for sure uh, of like you know the good and the bad and the kind of the inner turmoil and battle between you know the boss and sort of the big boss legacy that is going to take place and you've got liquid snake and solid snake uh, you've got all this duality in the series and you know she mentions your son will bring the world into ruin Your son will save the world. And Mm -hmm. she's confused because she gets these sort of negative predictions from Ursula. But she's got positive, like, uh, Mm -hmm. premonitions herself about what Big Boss is going to do. Yet she knows that Ursula has never been mistaken. So both of these things are true. But she doesn't understand how because they're so yin and yangs. Mm -hmm. Yin and yang. Which
1: is interesting. And arguably some of that duality does come back in five, but not in a way that I think anybody wanted. No. So.
0: <laughs> didn't, didn't come to fruition. Didn't stick the landing. So. Yeah.
1: So, and if there's one thing I've learned from uh, watching Stella stand-ups is stick the landing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so Snake follows Gene uh, to the launch room again, and then we have our boss fight with Gene, which... Uh, is extremely reminiscent of our fight with the boss in MGS3, but arguably, in my opinion, the control scheme puts a damper on this being a oh, fun yeah. fight. Yeah. So, um, but Nick, as you have uh, cited here, there's some interesting quotes, one of which is uh, Gene essentially saying, what's it going to be, loyalty to your country or loyalty to yourself? So Gene is kind of the anti-boss in a way um where as opposed to standing up and fighting for his country because it's his obligation he's kind of very self-centered which right. we need somebody to bridge those two and that's what big boss kind of becomes.
0: So. Yeah, and and the boss's quote in Metal Gear Solid 3 is what's it going to be loyalty to your country or loyalty to me? And she yeah. being the represent representation of, you know, virtue and honor and that sort of thing. Uh mm-hmm. And then this sort of kind of bastardized vision that Gene is sort of feeding Snake of or loyalty to yourself. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. cool because you really are – like this game actually uh, shows those seeds uh, being planted as well. Mm -hmm. So for the future of Big Boss –
1: I would really like to see, um, and it's interesting to me because there were a lot of PSP games that were ported to the PS2 towards the end of the PSP's life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wish that this game would have gotten ported over to uh, ha- uh, an actual home console with maybe some better graphics and some kind of
0: They talked uh, about it. Tightening.
1: They, oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, they were going to, uh, I forget who one of the American uh, like PR guys, uh, I forget what his name was. But he said that they were going to port it to the PS2 if it did well. They were going to kind of tighten up like the CQC controls and make it uh, more on the Metal Gear Solid 3 engine. Um, they were going to redo it. Uh, so I don't know if those were just big promises that didn't get kept. Um, and maybe it just didn't do as well on the PSP. But I, I really feel like people would have bought it just because it was a Metal Gear Solid title on a system that they already had. Um, mm-hmm. But but you know Konami. Who knows?
1: Yeah. Well, and they ported that fucking god awful Silent Hill Origins to the PS2. <laughs> so I don't I don't understand why this yeah. wasn't a candidate but still.
0: I hate to think that it was the Silent Hill Origins team that the oh, that this no. team was all wrapped up in that.
1: Ugh. Anyway, before I get disgusted with Portable. Ops, um <laughs> Uh, we, so effectively, uh, Gene does his little speed dashes and throws some knives. Um, and his voice kind of booming voice power can blur the screen, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, cool little effect, but, um, so Gene, uh, has pushed this trigger already, but, uh, he gives snake a data disc with info on equipment personnel and funds that he had amassed. And, uh, he gives them, uh, quote, because they are the same. Yeah, and he and calls so... he
0: calls Snake brother. So if you're uh, uh, brother. so if yeah if you got a bingo card spot that just says brother in quotation marks, <laughs> uh, you can go ahead and check that one off now.
1: Yeah, so effectively, like we said at the top of the episode, uh, Snake's outer heaven. Snake's kind of lazy because I just <laughs> feel like he has no opinions of his own. He's literally he's the mega man of political ideology. He's just kind of walking around beating the shit out of people and then absorbing their politics. Yeah. So, uh, so in a way, uh, to keep with current politics, uh, it's almost as if Hillary just took down Bernie and Bernie <laughs> said, "Here, here are all of my ideas," and she was like, "Thank you," and then walked away. So, but anyway, um, I digress. So, um, but
0: will she twist Bernie's vision and oh, not, no. live the, not live? Not uh, live the boss's true, uh, true vision.
1: So if Bernie's the boss and Hillary is uh, a <laughs> big boss, <laughs> I'm curious as to who the zero in this situation is going to be. Mm, somebody who's I, I li- like,
0: that's somebody deep behind everything. That's Debbie. <laughs> <like> that's the- <laughs> Debbie Washerman Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: going to say, i like to imagine that it's like somebody completely ridiculous. Um, uh, it's just Ross Perot. He's been like sitting <laughs> in the wings. But anyway, different party. So I don't you heard that it match. here.
0: Ross Perot. Yeah. 20 20. bending the world to his will
1: (laughs) (laughs) he's been pulling the strings all along (laughs) but anyway so we we get into this fight with the with the actual metal gear um and sokolov tells snake that the rockets uh the like the rocket can't be stopped but the metal gear portion can be um so Snake tries to use his RPG and it doesn't like we alluded to earlier doesn't do anything but the whole team shows up and they all start unloading and there's a goofy thumbs up <laughs> and everybody's like maybe friendship can stop it mm-hmm. um the power of love. and uh yeah their love and friendship and I wish it would have been like an earthbound sequence yeah. where Snake was out there like praying and like it just like showed all these people at home that were like I feel like Snake's in trouble guys <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send my positive vibes, and Snake just shoots like a spirit bomb RPG at the yeah. Metal gear. But alas, the nuke is stopped. Um, because if it wasn't stopped, there wouldn't be any other games in the series, right? That's right. Um, but we get to see old uh, finger guns ocelot in like mm-hmm. a in a cutscene. Um, the illustrations are interesting of a slightly aged ocelot. I feel like, yeah, because yeah. he looks like MGS3 ocelot but older. And it's also interesting because outside of these cutscenes, there is not really any documentation of what he looks like pre like five. I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, you're Um, right.
1: I think in Peace Walker he does have a like a little character portrait. Um, I can't remember if it was in one of the cassette tapes or something, but he looks identical to three. Yeah. So
0: and in this game, uh, you can enter passwords in to recruit. Uh, characters like secret characters and have them on your crew um and there's one to recruit ocelot and i did that uh and Mm -hmm. his his in his animation he looks just like metal gear 3 3, solid 3 ocelot so it might have just been the animator kind of taking liberties like ashley wood sort of doing her own thing with with him so Mm
1: -hmm. oh and i will i will correct you real quick nick ashley wood is a man Because I was burned on that as well.
0: Oh, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: The one Ashley Wood diehard fan out there. Gender's
0: neutral, isn't that how it goes? Yeah, gender is fluid. Or fluid, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Neutral is something different, yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, But anyway, so there's this cutscene of Ocelot stopping the CIA director and associates on their way to a bunker below the CIA headquarters. Because everybody's freaking their shit that they're about to get leveled. Um, and, uh, and they're going down there with their half of the philosopher's legacy in hand and Ocelot just fucking shoots them and takes it and essentially says that he wants to, he wants to end the philosophers and continue her dream, which (laughs) is alluding to the boss. So we begin to see, um... It's interesting to see it's interesting that it took so many fucking games for all of the pieces to kind of come together but it very much so becomes a people who want it becomes two camps that both want to embody the boss's vision for peace one camp thinks that that's through manipulation of information and control and the other camp thinks that it's like complete and absolute freedom and like a soldier state
0: and it's it's kind of weird too Uh, I'll drop this little bomb on you. It's almost like they're all right. Because if you think that the boss, like, it's loyalty to yourself or it's loyalty to your own principles and values, Mm -hmm. by pursuing that, no matter what those principles or values are, you're essentially doing, I think, maybe what the boss wanted. So.
1: Yeah. And they're both kind of nightmare hellscapes when they're taken to their extremes. Totally. Yeah. Which is what, like, Solid Snake kind of embodies in the series, which is like. Mo- like moderate and like reason and like a little bit of everything because I feel mm-hmm. like if, if, if uh the Patriots represent kind of like guys, you kind of went too far with the like information control and like manipulation to keep people in check behind the scenes. Uh, Big boss is also technically a fucking ruthless terrorist by the time he ends his reign. Um, so Yes, if there's one takeaway, it's that both sides are kind of insane. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so at the end, Snake is totally cool, and uh, he just does his thing. It's kind of the way that it ends with Peace Walker as well, which is kind of like, going to go find my reason to keep fighting, and walks into the sunset, because um, I feel like nobody knows how to tie up a big boss story <laughs> until until <laughs> yeah. the end. Um, but yeah, and then we get our credits, and we get our obligatory post credit sequence, which is uh, Ocelot, uh, Ocelot on the phone with an informant, and uh ocelot says he doesn't want to be or yeah and ocelot's telling the informant that he doesn't want to be used anymore and uh essentially ocelot agrees that he is down to help with this genome project on the conditions that big boss can join so that they they can become the patriots all together um and mgs4 will spill the beans on who the fuck all these patriots are because you you know all of them and you know all of them by name by now (laughs) spoiler alert but but yeah so i just kind of wanted to cap us off here at the end with just some miscellaneous information and things that kind of tie things into other games um we already talked about portable ops being developed as sort of metal gear online spinoff um this is the first metal gear title in the entire canon where we don't see snake actively smoke on screen um, but Snake does mention ordering cigars at one point. Huh. Um, you also can't smoke, like, there's no smoking item either. Um, and I believe that this game is rated teen. And I wonder if that is part of it. Um, Naked Snake uh, does not set off, if you don't set off any alerts, you get the codename Tsuchinoko, uh, which, if you guys remember, is the weird chody, like, <laughs> magical snake from MGS3. <laughs> <laughs> um and if you can if you can beat uh portable ops plus on any difficulty without setting off the alert mode uh you get a feather and a picture and the succhinoko code name at the end hmm. uh portable ops not plus sorry um, and then, fun fact for UK listeners, and please let us know if you know otherwise um, copies of this game got all the way to the UK retailers when it came out. However, they were missing the age rating stamp on the mm-hmm. box art from the BBFC. And so the game had to be sent back and reprinted. Um, and so the game was delayed by a, like a few weeks um, in the UK. It w- would of
0: have that. scarred the children. This yeah, uh, no. story of s- children soldiers and all of that. Yeah.
1: Exactly, because you you see the man with the M16 on the cover, and you're like, this is a kid's game, let's get this. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so let's really quickly, I'm just going to super fast speed through this, Um, Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops Plus, uh, developed by Kojima Productions, published by Konami, PlayStation Portable, PlayStation Vita, came out September 20th, 2007 in Japan, November 13th, 2007 in the United States, May 20th, 2008 in the EU, because the world hates Europe, Hmm. um, and 2009 digitally worldwide. Um, uh, MPO Plus is a standalone expansion Uh, It primarily focuses on multiplayer Um, we talked about that for the most part Um, it adds a lot more uh, squad mates that you can recruit including like famous NPCs that we've seen throughout the games but also just kind of more general faces Um, there's new items, multiplayer maps, new game modes and uh, just kind of expands the systems from the original Um, you can transfer your squad from your original MPO save to MPO Plus uh, story mode has been replaced with Infinity Mission mode, which is a series of challenges, uh, both in the old and new maps. You can play as young Roy Campbell, MGS2 Raiden, MGS4 Old Snake, and MGS3 Johnny Sazaki, <laughs> um, which is fun. Um, And there's a ton of nods to the other games because you can recruit Arctic Genome soldiers from MGS1. There's a female ocelot unit soldier variant that you can only get through the uh, kind of Pokemon Go-esque system that Nick uh, mentioned earlier. Um, And there's MGS2, uh, like terrorist Gurulukovic guys that you can recruit. Um, And you can actually fight in the Metal Gear Rex arena from MGS and a whole bunch of other fan service. Um, I believe that you can also get, like, Meryl Silverberg and Mm -hmm. stuff like that.
0: I like to imagine that if you play as Johnny, you're just stuck in a bathroom. Like, that's all you do. That's your mission.
1: Yeah, your mission is defend this base, and it's just him (laughs) on a toilet. But... (laughs) Um, So MGO Plus, uh, it actually kind of was critically panned. It got a 65 on Metacritic. Uh, the main takeaway is being that the game was at a budget price, but didn't offer nearly enough single-player content on a handheld to be worth the investment. Um, and lots of folks said to save your money for MGS4, which was right around the corner when uh, M- M-G- MPO Plus was released. Um, it makes me wonder if MPO Plus never fucking came out which I'm assuming it just came out for Japan because like, I think that this was probably played to hell and back multiplayer in Japan, mm-hmm. um, especially like in places like Tokyo where there's probably like 100,000 people playing it on your block because that's how many people there are nearby. Um, but it would appear that if they hadn't made this plus edition that they probably could have done what you and I were talking about, which would have been like a PS2 port or something.
0: For sure. I mean, but, I'm, a, I'm a huge Metal Gear fan solid fan and i never played this game like i was already on to other things um so you know i can't imagine that there's a lot of people on stateside that really got into this
1: so. so fun fact uh by the time i played the original portable ops on the psp i actually bought this first i bought Ooh. plus first because i thought Six. it was like well i thought it was like the main game plus shit because like hence the name plus i was like oh this is like a director's cut version or like persona three Fez edition or whatever. Um, and so I bought it and then I remember thinking, where the fuck is the single player in this?
0: Well, and, um, and before this, so. even before this show, I asked you, which should we play? Should we play portable ops, portable ops or portable ops plus? Cause I'm going to get one for the Vita, uh, mm-hmm. so I can play it along. And, um, That was the first time you told me that Portable Ops Plus was something different. I figured it was just like a subsistence or substance Mm -hmm. addition with all those extras. Yeah,
1: but nope. And I think at release it was like 20 bucks. So for me, too, it's like I remember I think the store that I was working at at the time, we didn't have a copy of Portable Ops. um, But we had Plus, and I was like, oh, it's 20 bucks, brand new. Like, I'm just going to get this. And then I remember taking it home and being like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what did I just pay for? Um, uh, but I believe I did, uh, talk one of my coworkers into buying it and I think we played with the multiplayer a fair amount, which is actually where my multiplayer hands on has come from. So I don't think I ever played the original portable ops multiplayer ever. Um, but this was kind of fun. It kind of feels like a SOCOM or just one of those third person kind of like, there's like a lock on feature for the multiplayer battle, Mm -hmm. which makes it kind of fun because you're just kind of locking on and kind of shooting from the hip. Um, but again, it's kind of limited. I don't think there were any bots or anything either. So you kind of had to play with people, which was frustrating. But but yeah, guys, it's been our episode. Uh, it's been a little bit of a long one, but uh, we were tricked by Portable Ops accidentally <laughs> being a 12-hour game. Um Super fun game if you have a Vita or a PSP and you like Metal Gear and you can deal with some of the frustrations and hiccups that we talked about. Um, the story is cool, and I think it's worth playing through. Nick, what's your kind of final verdict on this game? Is it is it worth it? Is it a rental? Is it watch it on YouTube? Like, what, what would you recommend?
0: Mm, I would recommend probably first and foremost, if you're tight for cash, watch the YouTube. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I'd say I'd say it's worth a play if you're looking to kind of get that Metal Gear itch scratched uh it's Mm -hmm. it's a it's a decent game once you can get past the controls but definitely play it uh on the vita uh versus the old psp
1: for sure which unfortunately until they put out acid on the eShop or psn store or whatever the hell it's called um i still think acid one and two are fun games but unfortunately i I can't i can't recommend those to people because it requires like you purchasing an entire system and then hunting these games down (laughs) um so but yeah so portable ops is fun uh it's pretty good uh kind of set the bar pretty high for portable metal gear and peace walker fucking blew it out of the water so yeah uh portable portable metal gear games are actually really good i just realized i think all four Mm -hmm. of them i guess five of them plus kind of sucks but all four of (laughs) the solid like the main ones uh they're great like there's nothing to complain about like i like them a lot um and I think that's more than you can say for most series that kind of make the portable transition. So... Um, but yeah so that's been our show um just to kind of give some plugs for the network real quick before we sign off um if you like what you're listening to you can go to geekti.me for more information and more uh content uh, you can also check us out on youtube uh, it's just geek time network and facebook and twitter um also geek time network um or soundcloud.com slash geek network uh to leave comments like this stuff uh embed links wherever the hell you want um write a shitty blog about us and embed the episode there and talk about how horrible we are. I don't care. Um, uh, also, please leave a iTunes rating and review. If you like the show, we love to hear from you guys. Um, you can also send an email to Alessio. That's a L E S S as in Sam, I-O, at geekti.me. Um, and uh, love to collect your stories. You can hit us up on Facebook, send us Facebook messages. Um, and likewise, too, you can go to patreon.com slash geektimenetwork. And for as little as $5 a month, uh, you get episodes a day early, um, some bonus content. Uh, we're going to have some exclusive blog posts uh, soon. Um, and likewise, you get added to the Slack, where you can speak to other cool members of our little family like nick and mm. uh, all of the hosts from this show except for isaac who doesn't like to socialize on the internet <laughs> apparently um but yeah so that's kind of been our show you can check me out on twitter at ac summerfield are there places that people can go to check you out online nick
0: uh yeah they can email me at n a freda f-r-e-d-a at gmail.com uh, if you want to discuss anything middle gear or video game related uh, that we talked about um I will also be co-hosting a show alongside the legendary Cameron Hill uh, called Grindcore, which is an, an RPG podcast. Uh, Again, it's going to be in that book club format. Uh, We'll be covering some of your favorites as well as others that you might not be as familiar with. Uh, But our first episode will be covering Chrono Trigger. I would encourage you to play that game and join us soon uh, for your listening pleasure.
1: Yeah, I'm, Personally, I'm super excited to hear what you guys have got cooking up, so
0: going to be good. Sweet.
1: Well, awesome. Uh, So yeah, if you have any thoughts on Portable Ops or Portable Ops Plus, please drop us a line. Um, We are, I think so, (laughs) so last episode when I said we might have to take a break for a week um, and then I decided to edit in that I was going to be doing this Portable Ops episode with Nick, um, I believe that we might actually have to cash that favor now and take a break next week because Sam is going to be traveling and I want to make sure that Isaac has enough time which I fear he has not been given enough time to finish metal gear one. Um, so it will be myself, Cameron, Sam, and Isaac two weeks from the release of this episode, uh, discussing metal gear one. And then we will be discussing metal gear Two, solid snake or snakes revenge. And then, uh, doing just an entire wrap up episode on these old games, um, before we dive into metal gear, solid four proper, which I'm excited Mm -hmm. about. So but yeah, so next week, we're taking a week off. But week after that, we begin retro Metal Gear playthroughs. So if you have any comments, notes, um, stories, anything about the original Metal Gear, um, we're gonna be playing the MSX version. But if you have notes or comments about the NES version, feel free to write in with those. Um, And we'll be playing Metal Gear 2, which is a mobile Japanese port of the MSX game. Uh, but both of these are pack-ins with the uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 HD Collection remaster. Um, so you can play along with us. Um, I'm going to strictly recommend that if you're playing Metal Gear Solid 1, play with a goddamn guide in your lap. Or do what I did the first time I played, which is have a YouTube like speedrun pulled up on a computer as you play. Because um, there were literally moments of that game where you are tasked with finding a hidden wall. And the only way to find it is to literally go through the entire game and punch every fucking wall until this mystery wall opens. You are um, not
0: lame for using a walkthrough in that yeah, game. Yeah, that's like, what
1: we're. Yeah, that's what I'm alluding to is like, I would recommend the guide, or else you're going to not finish the game out of frustration. Um, so, but yeah, so that's been our show, um, Nick. I will give you the honors, my friend. What can the audience at home remember?
0: comrade it's just a box just a box